It is a blessing for me to be here today, this morning. I do have to say this uh, before you all, and I'm, I'm very humbled that God has uh, brought me to a place, me and my family, to a place that we can call our church, our family, our home. That's what you guys are right now for us, and we love it. We're so, so blessed. Um, and as I preach today the word of God, a word that has been first spoken into my heart for the last weeks, I pray that faith will arise in your hearts and that it bears the fruit of faith that it should when his word is preached. That's what I pray. That's what I prayed during this week. For the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God being spoken to us. You know that, right? And we know very well that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's what the Bible says. So let us start with a short but honest prayer before we begin and so that our hearts are ready to receive what God has prepared for us today. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father, let faith arise in our hearts today as we listen to your word. Let us be reminded of your beautiful and amazing love. That our hearts, our minds, our actions are transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit. Teach us to live a prayerful life that finds full delight only in you. We need you more than ever today, Lord. Help us, Father. Help us, Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. So when Pastor Dave told me um, last month, Hector, you're preaching the last Sunday of this month about prayer. I got to be honest with you. I had mixed feelings. I did. I was extremely happy because I've been waiting for over 10 months to preach again since the last time I did back in Colombia. And I do have a confession to make, which is actually what my brother Ben said. This is my second time preaching a full sermon in English. The first time I did it, it was horrible. It was terrible. That I can tell you. I hope that this time is not the same. And at the risk of all you saying, yes, Hector, we can tell that this is your second sermon and in English. This is, this is also part of my confession. I felt very unequipped to preach in a language that is not my own because it is a challenge for me. And so in the feeling of not being capable of doing well, as if it was by my own power and abilities that lives can be transformed, right? I went to listen to other preachers and teachers of the gospel in an eager attempt to be inspired and perhaps learn to preach better in English. And every time I listened to a sermon online or on YouTube, the sermon that was the, uh, the preacher that was uh, preaching uh, online or on YouTube said, if you want to learn how to preach the word of God, then you have to spend time in prayer before the Lord. <laughs> and now I was left thinking there, huh? Well, that's the whole reason why I'm listening to your sermon today, brother. The irony of this, right? It's ironically interesting and humbling for us preachers that for us to learn, teach, preach about prayer or any other spiritual topic, if you will, we are called to come to God and pray first. Because you see, we're just vessels 
to carry his words. That's all we are. And we should understand the need and the importance that we have for prayer in our lives, no matter who we are. So the first thing that God requires from us pastors and teachers of his word is to come before him and pray, pray before we preach. And this is the culture of pray first that Pastor Dave has been preaching about this last month, isn't it? And this should be also our mentality as children of God. No matter who we are, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a deacon, whether you sing or don't sing, whether it doesn't matter who we are, doesn't matter what we do, this is the mentality that we should have. Pray first. Now I gotta say, this really humbled me and reminded me of the beautiful grace that has been given to us that we are able to speak and listen to God, the creator of the universe, through prayer. That's humbling. So today, despite my limitations and excitement to preach, I will preach a message that will hopefully help you answer one simple question by the time I'm done preaching. And the idea is that we can all better understand the nature of prayer in our lives. So the question for you to answer today is, where do I find my true delight? That is the question today. Where do I find my true delight? And for the, for the sole purpose of uh, you reminding this sermon, I have decided to give a title, and it's Finding Our True Delight. Finding Our True Delight. For those of you that take notes, go ahead and write the title if you, if you take notes on your phone, or maybe not. <laughs> But also write and keep in mind throughout this sermon while I'm preaching the question to, an to be answered today. Where do I find my true delight? So last week I was home and I was on my phone. And I was minding my own business. And Lily, my three-year-old daughter, tapped me on the shoulder and said, Daddy, let's go outside and play in the park. And you see, after a full day of work, of having to drive 45 minutes to go to work, and then 45 minutes to come to work, uh, from, from work at home, and teaching high schoolers all morning long, the only thing I wanted to do when I got home was just to chill and mind my own business. I mean, who wouldn't, right? That's what you want to do after work most of the times. But my daughter had other plans in mind. She just wanted to play and have some fun with daddy outside. That's all she wanted to do. I mean, that's what kids do that, right? They want to have fun. They want to play all the time. So I got up, put my shoes on, and went outside on the deck with her. And I played with her for a while, and then I saw Papa, her grandfather, shining a flashlight in our direction. So my curious and beautiful girl asked me, what is this, Daddy? What is that light? And so I said, I said to her, pretending I didn't know anything, I don't know. I wonder what it is. Why don't you go and figure it out? So it was starting to get dark outside, and of course, she was a bit reluctant to go and try to figure out what was the source of this light. And I just stood there, and I saw how after a while, she came running back in excitement, holding a flashlight in her hands and pointing it everywhere while she said, Daddy, it's a flashlight, it's a flashlight. And of course, right after that, we played for about 20 minutes with a flashlight pointing it to the wall, telling her not to point it to my eyes, telling her not to point it to her own eyes playing with the shadows and watching how she ran nonstop after a light beam around the backyard of her home. My point to this illustration is the following, church. Sometimes we forget that there is delight in the simple things of life, but 
most importantly, or more importantly, my point is, I was reminded of how delightful it can be to enjoy the honor of a simple conversation or a simple moment in the presence of our Father. Just like Lily was having fun with the simplicity of a flashlight and a game with her daddy, we can enjoy time with the Lord. The simplicity, in the simplicity of prayer and speaking to him. And you see, church, prayer is one of the most amazing and possibly the simplest way that we can find the light while being in our Father's presence, in the presence of the Lord. The psalmist and King David wrote a poem, or miskili, if we want to use the correct Hebrew term, which was a skillfully played song or a poem written to give specific instructions from God to his people that enforced wisdom, intelligence, and the correct way to live. So that's what David wrote. So this psalm, as many things in the Bible, although written by a man, is to be taken as God himself speaking to us. And it also instructs us about what attitude we should have regarding evil and this world and what God thinks about and will do to evildoers while answering the question at the same time, why do evil men prosper while godly men strive? And unfortunately, today, we will not be focusing on this question. We will not be studying this today. But instead, my desire for us today is that while reading part of Psalm 37, we can remember that prayer is not only a mere action that we do, but prayer is the position of our hearts to take the light in the blessings of being in constant communication with our Father. In other words, prayer is not only an action. But prayer is an attitude to have a constant conversation with our Heavenly Father and enjoy it. That's what prayer is. So I'll be, I'll be reading from um, maybe a different translation that you've read before. It's the New Living Translation. And if you have another Bible version, I, I invite you to read it with us on the projector this morning. So let's read. Psalm 37, verse 1 and 2. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Verse 4 and 5. And listen carefully, church, because this is the heart of this message today. These two verses. Verse 4. Take the light in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. Verse 6 and 7, he will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. And allow me to stop reading here for a moment and dwell on the first two verses that I read. King David began this poem by reminding us what God wants us to do when we come before him. He started by saying, don't worry. Do not worry. 
And you see, the first thing that God wants us to do when coming before him is to give him our worries. That is what God wants us to do. King David went through a lot of things that will definitely, would definitely make a man or a woman worry or lose its peace. And some scholars even say that this psalm was actually written when David was very old. When he had already experienced God's faithfulness over the years in his life. So when the Lord spoke through him by saying, do not worry, God was being intentional because he knows our hearts and he knows that most of the times when we come before him, our hearts are full with worry. Isn't that right? And King David knew this very well. And so that's why he wrote a psalm saying, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me and he freed me from all my fears. Or as he said in one of his other poems, in my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened and he saved me from all my troubles. So if there was someone in the Bible that knew that God takes care of our worries when coming before him, it was King David. And this is why the word of God in this psalm that we're reading today begins with the sweet but simple reminder, don't worry. Don't worry. You know, funny story. I'm going to tell you a funny story today. I'm, you know, I'm a Colombian, right? And I come from South America and in my culture, when someone is upset about something, we use the word or we say the word in Spanish, tranquilo, tranquilo. And, and, and this literally means something like be at peace or, or, or like chill or be still while you go through this. Well, one of my friends, one of my best buddies over there, he's actually from the United States. He's a missionary in Colombia. And he had broken up with his girlfriend. He was very upset, crying a river. I mean, he was a, a complete mess. And he calls me and asks me to go over to his house for a bit. And so I, I walked to his house and I went to his place and, and he, there he was outside. He was crying, very visibly upset for the entire situation. So I sit next to him and say absolutely nothing for a few minutes, you know. But he just went on crying and crying and sobbing, boogers everywhere. And, and it was just, he was just very upset. And so the first thing that comes to my head to say to him was the Spanish ex expression, tranquilo, you know, be at peace or be still while you go through this. Which, if you ask me, is a great advice for when someone is heartbroken, or at least that's what I thought. The problem was that the way I translated this word, this expression, tranquilo, in my head, was, you're okay. And I don't know if you have ever been very upset and someone has said to you, you're okay, like disregarding what you're feeling. But something that I learned that day was to never, ever tell an American when being upset, you're okay. <laughs> I didn't know. He looked at me, man, I mean the meanest look. He looked at me, he stopped crying. He was not upset with his girlfriend anymore. He was upset with me. He almost killed me with the eyes, with his, the look of his eyes that morning. And I definitely learned that he was not okay. And you know, church, very much differently, it is when we come to God in prayer. Because he knows what words we are supposed to hear when we come to him in prayer. We can come to him with the biggest problems that we have. And he'll know exactly what our hearts need to hear.
For King David, his problems were with his enemies and how they seemed to prosper while the righteous seemed to struggle. And he struggled with this as this was actually a direct threat to the kingdom of Israel. And it was a real worry for him. But for us sometimes, worries are translated in financial needs, problems with our spouse, with our kids, depression, what the future holds for our family, anxiety, or even broken relationships, like for my friend in Colombia. But one thing the Lord tells you today to remember when you come before him in prayer is to not worry. And so that's why in verse 1 and 2, he says, Don't worry about the wicked to, or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. And if you allow me to replace the word the wicked that King David was referring in these verses with what's worrying your heart today right now, let me say to you today, do not worry about what's stealing your peace right now. Do not worry about what holds in the future for you and your loved ones. Do not worry about what's heavy in your heart and sometimes doesn't let you sleep at night. Do not worry about what the enemy says or what he wants you to think. Because it will soon fade away like the grass, like the spring flower. It will soon wither when you pray to your father. Because you see, there's a simple but yet powerful application in these two verses, churches, that when we come before the Lord in prayer with a heavy heart and with worry, He will assure you that in His presence, you will be able to rest and to be at peace in the midst of your situation. Not like me trying to say the right words to my friend and messing it up in the translation, no. But the Lord will speak peace into your heart. When you seek him in prayer. So the question here is, are you coming to him in prayer and bringing your worries to him? And while you do so, are you listening to what he's saying? Are you actually listening to what he's telling you? When he says, do not worry. Are you truly listening to what he's saying to you? Because so often we come and we pray to God and we make it like a one-way conversation, right? And we're like, Lord this, Lord that, Lord him, Lord I. But are we taking the time to listen to what God is saying to us when we come in prayer? My dear brothers and sisters, when we pray, when we talk to God, we should be ready to listen to what he says. But we should also find peace and rest in his words for us. God says today, do not worry. Do not worry, Hope Chapel. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your heart, but he does. And so he says, do not worry. Be still and know that I am God. And this is where our delight in prayer begins. This is where our delight in prayer begins. If we continue to read verse 4 and 5, which I said earlier that it, it was the, the heart of the message, right? We can read that King David wrote on behalf of God when he said, Take delight in the Lord 
and he will give you your heart's desires. Because you see, we all have desires in our hearts. We all, we all come before God with desires, right? And the word in Hebrew for this word desires gives us a picture of someone wishing or asking for something that he is, that he or she currently does not have. And so we could see how easily we can lose focus when we come before the Lord in prayer and just focus on those things that we currently don't have, right? Sometimes we can do that. We can come before the Lord and, and we just focus, Lord, I don't have this, please give me this. I'm missing this, I'm lacking this. And now I'm not saying that, that asking for stuff to God is a bad thing, no. As a matter of fact, God tells us through the Apostle Paul to do this when he wrote, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the word petition here is the same one that King David used when saying, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. In other words, your heart's petitions. Now, we said that the beginning of our delight in prayer when coming to God is knowing that God, that his words gives us peace. If we know that the beginning of our delight is knowing that God gives us peace with his words, then the fulfillment of this delight is found in these two verses that we are reading now. It starts by saying, take delight in the Lord. And there you have it. I could end my sermon right now if I wanted to, right? There's an answer to our question today, church. Where do I find my true delight? Where do I find my true delight? So many times we take delight in the things that we can get from God instead of God himself. And we pray for good things, you know. We pray for our ministry. We pray for our family. We pray for our church, for our nation. We pray for our needs, our desires. And again, we ought to, but sometimes we find true delight only when God gives us what we'd have asked for. And the Bible is telling us today that we are to take delight in the Lord only. In the character of the Lord. In who he is in his presence. But what does that mean? How do we take delight in the Lord? Well, it's a good thing that King David continued to develop this thought in the next verses. He said in verse 5, Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. You know, um, I, was, I was driving without a U.S. driver's license here in the U.S. for the past month. Don't judge me. I, I, I did have a driver's license from Colombia, which allowed me to drive in the States uh, for a few months after um, I got my residency. So, so the week that actually my driver's, my Colombian driver's license expired here in the country, um, I went to the DMV, so I had to read this uh, 100 pages uh, long book uh, to, to learn our, all the rules and, you know, all the rules of the, of the road and the, the norms and whatever. And, and so I felt that I was ready to take the test after I read these, this booklet. And so I went to the DMV, took the written test, written test, and I passed it. It was, it was simple. I got actually um, an A plus, if you will. <laughs> but then when I was uh, about to get on the road, with the instructor, I was a nerve wreck. I mean, I could not even gear well. And, and it's an automatic car, but I was supposed to do 
uh, you know, to go back, back, and, and I, I said it in park. I mean, I was a mess. And, and the, the lady instructor was like, Hector, calm down. <laughs> Chill, relax. You're too nervous. Let's start again, okay? And I was like, all right. So I took a deep breath, and I began to drive around town. And I was using my mother-in-law's car, and she has a sport car, sports car. And, you know, it's one of these cars that you barely press the gas pedal, and it goes like, like really fast. So I was very scared, scared of screeching my tires because that day it was raining. And the lady said, if you do that, it's an automatic F. Like, you'll fail your test. So I decided to go 25, 25 miles per hour on a 45 miles per hour road. I mean, I was just very nervous that I was not going to fail that test. I could not fail that test. And after a few minutes, this lady instructor tells me, you drive like an old lady. <laughs> With all the respect. You don't want to get your license and, and be known as, a, as the guy that drives a sports car like an old lady, do you? So I giggled and replied, well, I do want to pass this test, ma'am. And the sign says here that we're in a construction zone, so I'm going to keep it close to 25 miles per hour. And unless you tell me to do differently, I'm not going to go faster. So she immediately told me, honey, just go. You're with me. I'm the instructor. Trust me, speed up. Plus, we don't want to get re-rendered, do we? There is literally a car behind us, like, like, ah. so move on, she said. So I went on and followed what she told me. And an hour later, I was a happy Colombian with a brand new U.S. driver's license. I got my driver's license. And I can tell you, I can tell you, this I can tell you. If she would have not told me to trust her and to follow her instructions, and if I would have insisted on doing what I wanted and I thought I had to do, I would have probably failed that test. Now, this might seem like a, maybe too simple of an illustration to this point, but it puts into practical perspective what we're reading today here in verse 5. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. Dear church, our true delight is found when we commit everything to the Lord and trust him in everything that we do. Then he will help us. Then he will help us. And this is the way that we find true delight in the Lord, our Heavenly Father. Knowing that his words will give us peace when we pray to him, and trusting that he will take care of our heart's desires when we surrender everything to him. This is the way that we find true delight. And so when we decide to take delight in him, we can live out what says in verse 6. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn. And the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. I want to remind you today that if there's anything that's, break, that's bringing darkness into your life, if the, the enemy is trying to bring shame and guilt into your heart, if your cause, your calling, your ministry is being shadowed by a sin or by a situation that's making your life as dark as midnight, let me tell you today, church, Jesus Christ can bring light to your life like the dawn and like the noonday sun. He has the power to take your worries away. Yes, he does. He has the power to shine in the darkness of your life. He has the power to forgive your sin 
He has the power to bring clarity in any situation that you're wondering what to do. There is no greater delight for us than to put our trust in Jesus Christ. There should be no greater delight for us, his children, than to come to his presence of our Father in prayer to rest and to be restored. So where do you find your delight? Where are you finding your true delight? The answer is simple. In the presence of God. In the presence of God. Verse 7. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. You see, ultimately, prayer is talking to the Father and waiting patiently for Him to speak and for, and for Him to act. That's what prayer is. We talk to the Father and we, we wait patiently for Him to speak back to you and to do what He's going to do. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Dear church, while we wait patiently in the presence of the Lord, Let's continue to pray. And as we have learned over the course of these last Sundays, let's continue to pray, but also let's pray always. Let's pray first. And let's pray through. And while we do this, let's find our delight only in God. We could conclude today this message by saying that finding our true delight is a daily thing that we do in God's presence. Every day. Not just today. Not just maybe tomorrow. Not just for a week. Not just when we have to preach. Not when we have a need. Every day. Finding our true delight is a daily thing that we do in God's presence. And this is why King David once wrote a prayer where he said, God you will show me how to live. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. There is true delight by your side. Wow. I want to say that I would love to read the entirety of the 40 verses of this psalm this morning. But for the sake of clarity to this sermon, and because I know that you guys start thinking about lunch around this time, I have only read this seven verses, and I'm sure that the Lord has already spoken to your heart. And I know that God will continue to speak to you as you seek Him, as you trust in Him, and as you find your true delight in Him while you pray this week. And I do want to encourage you to read the remaining verses of this psalm throughout this week and ask God to continue to speak to you while you read it. Now, I do, I do request one more minute of your attention, if you will, as I would like to read eight more verses from the psalm. Just eight more verses. And as I do, I believe that the Holy Spirit will speak peace to your hearts and into your minds while you listen to his word. Let me finish my sermon with this. Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent. And they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in, time, in hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. The Lord directs 
the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Thank you, Jesus. Once I was young and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. The godly always give generous loans to others. And their children are a blessing. Turn from evil and do good. And you will live in the land forever. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in Him. Let's pray. Father, help us. We need you. We have to recognize that some of us, we have lost our delight, the delight that there is in your sweet presence. And so we come before you sometimes just seeking to find the light in something else when we should find the light only in you. Forgive us for putting a joy or join the things of this world and the things that are temporary, not the eternal. We set our eyes only in you. And we commit everything that we do, everything that we want, everything that's in our hearts to you, our greatest delight. Restore to me the joy of our, your salvation and make me willing to obey you, Father. Help us, Holy Spirit, to listen to Jesus and to the words of the Father. Speak to us and we will obey. We trust you. We take the light only in you. We rest in you. We pray to you. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your word today. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for speaking to us and reminding us where we, should we find our true delight because you, God, are our true delight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Church, thank you for being here today, for not going to the lake and decided to come to church. That's okay if you go to the lake. I pray that this, world, this word will continue to grow like a seed in all of your hearts and that even maybe tonight while you seek the Lord in prayer, you will find true delight in his presence. Thank you, church, for listening to me today. Thank you for your patience with my English. <laughs> and uh, see you next week, Lord willing. Have a wonderful week.